Amen. Thank you, Jeff. We are in Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. We'll look at verses 19 through 23, the end of the chapter. In the 1940s, in a small town called Atasca, Texas, there was a great tragedy where 63 children died in a fire at the school, the elementary school. Yeah. Of course, there was a lot of tears and broken hearts. When they rebuilt the school, they put in what back then was a state-of-the-art sprinkler system to make sure that that type of tragedy never happened again. They wanted to protect their children. Well, the little town grew, and they had to add on an addition to the school. And so when they did, they wanted to make sure that it too was able to have the same sprinkler system. And so when they hooked the addition to the main building, they discovered that they had forgot to attach the wires to the sprinkler system. So for the years that the building was there, they had this great fancy sprinkler system, but it wasn't connected. And so the school really wasn't safe. The school really wasn't protected. We as believers have the most incredible power available in Jesus Christ. We walk around like we're safe, like we're protected, as if we're in this big bubble that cannot be popped. But are we connected? Are we truly connected to the power that makes real life possible? The power that enables us to go through any storm and to understand God's plan, and to walk in agreement with that plan. And as we look at the text this morning, that power is described in detail, and how important it is, and as we look at the message, what Christ is doing, and the importance of being connected to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to turn there. Ephesians 1, we're going to actually start at verse 19, and go through the end of the chapter. So I'm going to ask when you find that to stand in God's honor as I read the text. And His incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is like the working of His mighty strength, which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be head over everything for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we come to You in faith a faith that is weak, but in a God who is strong. Father, give me faith as I seek to share, Lord. I pray, Father, for a fire, God. We too often have this power in us, and Lord, we're too timid. Father, I pray for a fire as I speak to speak to us, Lord. I pray, Father, for a freedom, Lord, that you would take... My words, Lord, and give me a freedom to speak and that there might be a flow that I don't ramble and and cannot be understood, but that, Lord, there might be a flow to what is said, Lord, and what is heard. And, Father, that 
there might be just a display of you, Lord. That, Father, you, you might be lifted up, Lord. That you might be exalted. And, Father, so just just work, Lord. We've come for you, and thank you that we've been able to worship you thus far. May it not stop. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's look at the text here. As he talks about this power, um, he uses, as you look here in the early part here, he talks about great power, mighty strength, and, and you can put all this together, this working of great power, mighty strength, this energy. Uh, you could just about say, uh, may they have the type of dynamic, energizing force that enables them to overcome any obstacle. Heaven sent help directly sent from above. And as we look at that power, I, I want to point out here the description of this power as, as he shares it, as Paul in describes Christ and His power. First, there is a reference here to the resurrection. Look in verse 20. It says, Which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. It is a power displayed in the resurrection. And we know about Jesus, how He came, how He was all-powerful, yet He chose to be the ultimate servant. How at any moment he could have struck back those who accused him, but he didn't. The Bible says he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. He was attacked, he was beaten, and those of us who have seen the passion of the Christ, and as we've read in the scriptures, it was a nightmare of pain on our Lord who certainly didn't deserve any of it. And then he was led to a cross, and he was nailed to a cross, and, and then he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And then he, he committed his spirit to the Father. And the work was finished. He said, it is finished. And they took his body down from the cross, and they prepared the body with spices. And they wrapped him in cloths and they placed that lifeless body in a tomb, in a cave. And then they placed a big rock over that cave and sealed the rock so that it was secure. But praise be to God that the body did not stay lifeless and the body did not stay in that cave. And, and you know, it says that when they came up there to that place because their hearts were broken to worship, that the stone had been rolled away. It had been removed. And guys, the stone was not rolled away so that they could get the body out. The stone was rolled away so that the witnesses could get into the cave and see that the body was no longer lifeless. So that they could see clearly that Jesus is alive. And guys, this power is resurrection power. And as we hear this description of power, we walk as if we're mice when we should be lions. Because the Lion of Judah lives within us. The resurrected living one. Secondly, it's a kind of power of Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. Look at the next part of the verse here. And seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms. 
Jesus was resurrected, but then He ascended. He went up into the heavens to His rightful place, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It would have been so easy for the Heavenly Father, just think if it was your Son who went through so much, who experienced so much pain, so much hurt, so much rejection, it would have been so easy to say, you've done enough, son. Son, they, they're not grateful. Son, just, you've done enough. But that's not what Jesus did. It says that He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God and He continues to intercede for us. He continues to pour out His love to us. He continues to be the mediator, the one who stands in the gap for us. His power, as He sits, He sits for us. His power made available for us. What a hope. I love Romans 8, 37-39. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus is in the heavens, but He's with us. With us. His power. Third, the Father gave Him a place far above all rule, authority, and dominion of every ruler named Look at verse 21. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. There is no ruler above Jesus. There is no authority above Jesus. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess the glory of God. He's the Lord. Jesus is the final authority. And you know, to fight against that authority, well, there's no other good word except stupid. Uh, this is a, uh, in the U.S. Naval Academy uh, Institute Proceedings, which is a ma- magazine of the Naval Institute, Frank Coach describes uh, where a couple of battleships were doing some uh, training out in the waters. And it was a morning that was foggy. The captain came out on deck. And then he, he stood and he was worried with the circumstances. He wanted to make sure everything went well. So he stood on the deck firsthand, ready to help call the shots. And the seaman looked out and he saw a light in the distance. And he was afraid that the two ships would collide if something was not done. So the captain... Uh, gave orders, and uh, he said, uh, signal the ship, <laughs> we're on a collision course, advise you change course 20 degrees, signal came back, advisable for you to change course 20 degrees, the captain said, send, send this message, I'm a captain, change course 20 degrees, message came back, I'm a second class seaman. You'd better change course 20 degrees. Well, the captain was mad, furious at this insubordination. So he spat out, Sin, I'm a battleship. Change course 20 degrees. Back came the flashing message, I'm a lighthouse. 
change course. No matter who I may think I am, no matter who you may think you are, guys, He's the rock that doesn't roll, as the old song says. He's the cornerstone. Jesus doesn't budge. And if you try to push against Him, you're not going to win. He is the authority. He is the power to which when we submit, we are lifted up. When we give our lives, we find our lives. Because He is the one of all authority. Uh, Next, He placed Him as head over all things in the church. Noticed, uh, verse 22, And God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be head over everything for the church. Jesus is the power and and as head of the church, He bestows His power and His blessing upon us as He lives in us and works through us by the glorious Holy Spirit. And too often we fail to recognize and live in that power. You know, as I was studying, I read an interesting story about a missionary. And he was given a, a car that didn't start. And so he came up with this ingenious plan where he would park it on a hill. And uh, he lived near a school and he had some kids come out of the school and help him. He'd get in the car and help him give him a push. And then he would start the car, jump start the car. So he would either leave it running when he stopped somewhere, or he'd park on a hill and get somebody to help him get it started. Well, he got sick. And a new missionary came in. and He was so excited. He, he was sharing this ingenious plan with a missionary. He said, I want you to be able to use this car. He said, this is what I do. And the guy said, okay. He said, well, give me a minute. So he popped the hood. And he looked under there and he said... Sir, I think I found a problem here. He said, I, 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 he twisted a cable and tightened it. So I think he just got a loose connection. Jumped in the car and started it right up. He just hadn't checked the connections. He had a loose connection so he was not able to tap into the, the power and start the engine. But how often does that happen amongst the people of God? We come up with these ingenious plans that we're proud of while we miss the real power. While we expect to roll down the hill and get jump started, God wants to fill us with His Spirit and use us for His glory. Our ingenious plans are nothing compared to His power. And and that's just so critical. Uh, J.B. Phillips, in his paraphrase of these verses, he says, How tremendous is the power available to us who believe in God. When we make a firm connection with His power, then we're living. Then we're living. He's authority over all things. I want to take just a, a, f- a few minutes here in the message. And that includes the devil. That includes our arch enemy. He is above the devil. He is above our main foe. Even he has to submit. He's no laughing matter though. You know, to attack him, we better be connected or we will fall. Uh, turn me to the end of the book. I'll just take a couple of minutes here in Ephesians 6. Of course, we'll look at this as we someday get through Ephesians. But in verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. There is a command, there is a plea here to be strong, not in yourself, but in the Lord, in His mighty power, to be properly connected. Because if you're disconnected, you're going to be defeated. 
But if you're connected with the full armor of God, there's victory. Because it is not merely a human struggle. Look at verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is a fierce battle against a worthy opponent and enemy. And you know, wrestlers don't fight at a distance. When's the last time you saw a wrestling match? And they say, you know, unless, of course, nowadays you got the, what that you connect and the way, I guess you could, but I'm talking about real life, you know, sweaty hand to hand battle and wrestling. And spiritual forces, even though it's not in this realm, and even though we can't see and detect it with our senses, it's very real. And it's a fierce battle that occurs. But isn't it great to know that in the midst of such a battle, we are victors because of Jesus. If we just connect to that power, and if we just stay close to Him and trust Him, guys, there is victory. In a moody moody monthly magazine, Carl... Amerding recount experience he had watching a wildcat at the zoo. He saw this uh, pretty intimidating cat, and uh, suddenly the cage, back cage door opened. A guy came in there with a broom, sweeping out the cage, and this cat starts hissing and growling. He just comes over with the broom and he just pushes the cat out of the way, and he couldn't believe it. He's like, man. This guy's a nut. He's gonna get, he's gonna get killed. And so he asked the guy afterward, he said, Man, I can't believe you did that, that you went in there without a weapon, just with that broom. All you did was poke him. He says, You sure are brave. He says, No, I ain't brave. Well then, that must be a tame cat. He said, No, that's not a tame cat. Well, if you aren't brave and the cat isn't tame, then why doesn't the cat attack you? He said, and the man chuckled and said, Mister, he's old and he ain't got no teeth. You know, he's, the devil's powerful to us. But as far as Jesus goes, he's old and he ain't got no teeth. That's what the cross did. Took away those molars and gave us his power. Now, I want you to notice there's a strategy that goes on in the spiritual battle. Look at verse 11 of Ephesians 6. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The word schemes could be translated method. He has a method. He's been studying mankind through the ages. He's had a long time to watch us. He knows what we're like. And he comes up with a good plan to trip us up trap. He knows the kind of bait that we like. He knows how to make us fall. Like a boxer that's carefully able to to isolate a certain point and hit it over and over and over until his opponent falls, until his opponent crumbles because it becomes a weak area that has been continually under attack. And that's our devil. Uh, that's our enemy. He knows, guys, how to do that. And the only way to survive that is to be connected closely to Jesus. Because the enemy, he's a workaholic. And he works continually, nonstop, in order to destroy our witness. I mean, it's, it's amazing there aren't more marriages. We talk about how many marriages fall apart 
but not being connected to Jesus. It's amazing there aren't more marriages destroyed. It's amazing there aren't more people who feel hopeless and commit suicide who, if they're not connected to Jesus Christ and His power, because it's a dark world where the power of Jesus is so needed. And, and there's so many people who feel trapped. Maybe you're today. Maybe you feel trapped. Some kind of addiction. Something that is controlling you. And, and you feel like there's just no light at the end of the tunnel. But there is a power that's available in Christ. And the Scripture tells us that, that he's, he's there and He intercedes and, and that His strength is available. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that we just sit around and do nothing. Oh God, I'm just going to be holy and happy and just sit and wait for you to work. Now we need to be about the Lord's business. We need to be loving people. We need to be seeking His heart. And as we do those things, He fills us and, and works through us as, and enables us to go forward. That, that's His plan. That's, that's how He works. That's how He gives victory. That's our Lord. Um, you see, our faith is more than just a spiritual pose to get people's attention. A number of years ago on the Merv Griffin show, he had this bodybuilder on there. And he said, well... Tell me what you do to build muscles like that. The guy's like, well, I work out. And he said, well, what do you use those muscles for? And he just goes, he says, but what do you use the muscles for? And I mean, muscles are rippling everywhere. And he says, but what do you do with those muscles? And the guy was perplexed. He was like, you know, another big pose there. But he wanted to know, what are you doing with those muscles rather than just displaying them? We don't just read our Bible so that we have a good pose. We don't just pray so that we have good posture. Guys, we are called to be about His kingdom. And the reason we are to be connected is so that we can know His power. And so that we can live in that power. And so that a world that does not belong to our enemy can know the one to set it free. That's, guys, that's what it's about. And, and I, I, I'm closing in here, near the end here. Um, so, how is this power recognized? How do you know if that power is at work in you? Well, I challenge. I'm just challenging you. Look back. Look back on your life. Can you point to a change where your life was changed? Can you point to God setting you free? I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're not able to point to a time where God changed you, question the powers there. That's God's call. Uh, Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. um, A well-beloved passage where Paul is talking about his own struggle. And starting at verse 7, he says... To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord 
to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul had had a vision that would make it very easy for him to get the big head, to get puffed up. And he said, so God gave him a thorn. Now, of course, the devil, when he sees a thorn, he says, great, I'm finally able to knock this guy out. I'm finally able to get him out of my hair. He's such a pain and annoyance. Maybe this thorn will stop him. But God has another purpose. It is not to destroy us or to stop us, but to bring us close so that we might be able to rest near Him. Now, maybe you're going through a thorn. I don't know. Something that's just... Reminds you how weak you are. How broken you are. But God, my friend, He does not want to destroy you. The thorn is not part of His will to take you out. It's to bring you close so that He can hold you in His arms. And so that He can comfort you. And so that He can show you His love and His grace and His mercy and His power. That's what He's up to. That is what He wants to do. Ray Stedman talks about in one of his books about a young man who came into his office. And he said, Dr. Stedman, man, I am really struggling with lust. He says, I can't deal with it. He says, I don't know what to do. And Dr. Stedman gave him an answer he didn't expect. He said, man, that's, that is, that is great. And he goes, what? What do you mean? He says, you're saying you're weak. You're saying that you're unable to deal with it. You're right where God can work. He said, so here's what you need to do. Instead of trying to be tough and strong and so spiritual, next time you're hurting, next time you're tempted, you say, God, I cannot do this. I need to run to you. And if you don't save me, if you don't help me, if you don't deliver me, I'm sunk. He thought about that and said, okay. And it wasn't but just a a couple of weeks later. This this guy, he's a college student. He saw Dr. Stedman. He yells across the room. He said, it works! He goes, what? He said, well, I was reading in Ephesians 1 and where it talks about Christ is above all things and He's above the devil and the demons and the temptations. And he said, man, the closer I get to Christ, that means that demons can't get close to me. That means temptations can't get so close to me to trip me up. So I want to be close. And so I cried out to Christ and He helped me. It works. His power is available. His power works. So, I, what about you? Have you experienced changes in your life? Have you experienced the saving power of Jesus Christ? Have you experienced the sustaining power of Jesus Christ? <laughs> you can. Man, we really screw everything up. Uh, take it from that old show, All in the Family. Most of the time, we're a bunch of meatheads. But praise be to God, we have a power in Jesus Christ.
to deliver us. And that's what this message has been all about. And my plea is that God will awaken me and awaken you and that we will experience that power. Because, guys, I am convinced that when the power of Jesus Christ is unleashed, there's going to be excitement and there's going to be joy and there's going to be a lot to celebrate. And I don't want to be in the way of that. And I don't want any of you either. So I just pray that God will speak, that God will work, and that we will experience. Let me close with these words of Charles Haddon Spurgeon on this passage of 2 Corinthians 12. when He spoke on verse 9. Dear brothers and sisters, go home and never ask the Lord to make you strong in yourselves. Never ask Him to make you anybody or anything, but be content to be nothing and nobody. Next, ask that His power may have room in you and that all those who come near you may see what God can do by nothings and nobodies. Live with this desire to glorify God. Sometimes when God honors us in His service, a great eye stands in the Lord's way. Tremble when you see a poor, weak preacher made useful in converting souls. Then all the papers and magazines begin to blaze his name abroad, and silly Christians, for there are plenty, begin to talk him up as if he were a demigod and say such great things about him and describe him as wise, eloquent, great. Thus they do all they can to ruin the good brother. If a man is sensible, he will say, Get thee behind me, Satan. For thou savorest not the things that be of God. If God gives him great grace, he will retire more and more into the background and lie lower and lower before his God. If you once get a man to feel himself to be great and good, either a fall will happen or else the power of God will withdraw from him. The best of men are flesh and blood and they have no power except as God lends them power and he will make them know and feel this. Therefore, neither exalt others nor exalt yourselves, but beseech the Lord to make and keep you weak, that in you His power may be displayed. God grant it may be so, for Christ's sake. It's more than just grabbing a self-help book, becoming a better person. Or having a plan of you follow these seven points, man, you're gonna be something. It's about Jesus. It's about knowing him. Like we said last week, Philippians three ten, where Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. It's it's about Christ and his his power and his person and and may we be his pleasure. It's about that being set free. And, and that comes through salvation. It comes through the cross. And it continues by work of the Holy Spirit. And, and we need that. I need that. May God grant that. Um, we have an altar that's open. And, and, and I, I pray if God's spoken to your heart that you'll come and you'll pray. And, and, and I'll be at the front if, if, if God's spoken to your heart. And, and, and you need to trust Him. There's a decision you need to make. Maybe you've thought about this challenge of, is there a difference in my life? Can I look back and, and, and see a change? And, and if the answer is, is no, now's the time to change. By the power of God. Let Him grab a hold of you. And He says, I won't let go. <laughs> Um, we just want to have this time for our God. And we just want to see Him work. 
And, and so if God's spoken to your heart as we stand and sing, will you come? Just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's all I ask. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for an opportunity, God, to look at your word. God, too often, Lord, um, try to walk in but uh, not plugged into the outlet of the Holy Spirit. Forgive me, God. I pray this morning, Lord, that we would get connected if we're not, Lord. And that you, Father, would display your power. It may be to save someone, to free them of sin, and to find the hope for the first time of a new heart, a new hope. It may be for those who have been in the kingdom a while to, to say, Lord, forgive me. I'm ready to come back and get near and experience your power, Lord. Father, uh, either way, forgive us, Lord. And we pray that your spirit would work and that we would say yes. In your name we pray. Amen.